Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Anonymous Squadcast. It's photorealistic. Today we're going to be bringing you hard-hitting news on Finland, Battlefield Premium, Tank Superiority, Battlefield 4, and the release date of Battlefield 4. We're going to be talking a little bit about have you achieved your goals on the battlefield? It's in reference to a video, which we'll get to at a later time. We'll be giving a little bit of mini-review on the Nexus 7 tablet. And finally, we'll be talking about should games be photorealistic? Now, for an extra special treat for you guys, for episode two, we have brought in one of our friends. His name is Ertzi, and he is from Finland. And to celebrate our international guest, we've decided to cover 10 strange and interesting facts about fin Finland. So, without further ado, Zitter's app starts off with the first one. Hey, no why not? See, I guess you guys are doing good. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pleased to uh, be here. So, thank you guys for inviting me. I'm quite excited. Well, we are very excited to have you here and we are very happy. So, I mean, I did some research on the internet about Finland when I knew that you were coming on the show. And I kind of found landed on this web page uh, which talks about 10 strange and interesting facts about Finland. So I'm going to ask you whether they are true or whether they are not true because anything you read on the internet, you can't just believe it. So the first mm -hmm. fact is the amount you get fined for speeding on the roads on Finland depends on the amount you earn. So the more you earn, the more you get fined. Is that true? Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. Um... Actually, I have uh, one live uh, live uh, thingy on this one. A uh, couple of years ago when I had a motorcycle and my income was quite good, uh, I was speeding like 30 over a speed limit and I got over 600 euros of uh, speeding fee when my, when my pal just got like 200 euros. We were speeding at the same speed, but our income was uh, different. So yeah, it's, uh, it's true. Well, I actually like this uh, idea because there are a lot of people in America who make a lot of money and they do not care about getting a 100 or $200 ticket. What do you think about that, Noah? Well, I did a little number crunching, and Ertzi paid about $740 for his speeding ticket. I think if rich people had to start paying $740 for their speeding tickets, we might see a lot less speeders on the road. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, why don't you cover the next fact, Noah? Alright, fact number two. Finland is known as the land of a thousand lakes. But not just a thousand, over one hundred and eighty thousand lakes. So, Artsy, how far do you live away from a lake? Um, I guess a nearest lake is like uh, less than ten kilometers away. Wow, that it. Uh, sorry, like um, yeah, I believe it's like like five kilometers or stuff, but. Um, because I live on the west coast, there's only like 40, 
30 or 40 kilometers to the uh, sea at the sea uh, coast. So, but where I uh, where was I was born, there was like three lakes within uh, within a few hundred meters. So yeah, it's a uh, that means it's a fact. That means you guys uh, you guys would be having a lot of fish and everything that would be part of your regular meal. Uh, no, no, not really, not really. Um, yeah, the fish is uh, is a part of Finnish food culture, but not not so much as you could think. Okay. Because um, well, I don't know. I, I guess the sea is uh, the more 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 important source for the fish. Okay, not the lakes. Mm, yeah, not really. We we have fish there and. People usually uh, have a hobby of fishing. I I did fish when I was young, but uh, meh, it's boring. I'm gonna cover fact three now. Uh, Finns are one of the most ingenuitive people on the planet. I mean, if you they can figure stuff out, they can like build stuff. They can uh, if you give them few tools and stuff, they can like okay, I think I think I, we can build that and all those things. Artsy, have you seen examples of that around uh, your area? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it depends. Again, it depends on the people and on the topic. Mm-hmm. Finns, um, Finnish people aren't like too. Um, they don't uh, socialize so much as as other people. So we are like, uh, like roomy people. But if uh, if you motivate us in the right way, yeah, we can we can do miracles. Like, for example, give a fin a beer bottle, mm-hmm. and and Finnish guy just opens it, no no matter how. So um, so they it depends on the topic. So they don't need bottle openers to open beer bottle. They they'll always figure out some way to open it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is the most popular beer in Finland? Uh, I believe we have like. Three beverages, which are from Finland, like Olvi, Karjala, Karhu, Lapinkulta. Okay, there's four. Okay. So, so they are the most popular, and then then these uh, brands, which you might know, like Foster's, uh, Sandals, Heineken, Budweiser, yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah, those American brands uh, invade other countries anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Noah, you have anything to say? <laughs> no. I think we'll just start right back into the uh, list there to keep things on track. Sure. Number four, Finland is called the land of the midnight sun. Now, a lot of our viewers probably know that in the northmost parts of the world, the sun stays up all night long. Uh, this is also true in Finland. I believe during the months of June and July, way at the north of Finland, the sun never sets. Ertzi, have you experienced this day all night? Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, it's actually around 24th of June, I believe. Uh, usually, the summertime is very, uh, very light time in Finland, but um, it's like in the mid. Midsummer festival, midsummer fest, around there when there is this whole uh, whole day when the sun actually never like sets. After that, 
like on the 25th and so on and so on the day uh, is getting shorter and shorter so we are like getting more dark time every day now so it's uh one and a half months ago now the daytime is over 16 hours long okay wow 16 hours of daylight i would love 16 hours of daylight <laughs> mm, well well then we have this long and awful winter which is cold and dark so yeah you have to, you have to give us some some treat yeah <laughs> definitely uh i think uh, people might be picking up uh, big projects to do during the summer because there is so much daylight right they're going to be thinking like oh there is a lot of daylight we're going to do this and this and uh, all all big projects they might plan it for the summer i believe uh usually summer is like holiday time in finland okay so they they do like their own stuff and spend time with their families and relax and enjoy the summer and the sunlight yeah so i'm going to cover the next fact which is the fifth fact which is pretty obvious i mean it's it's just the opposite of the midnight sun uh finland mm-hmm. is also known as the land of polar nights and basically there are times during the winters when the sun never makes it over the horizon so it's completely dark um i think we already discussed that a little bit with earthy so noah can you move on to the next one yep you got it uh so fact number six there are no public pay phones in finland uh and kind of a counterpoint to that there are over five million mobile phones in finland and so erti i guess my question is are there no public phones because everyone has a mobile phone or does everyone have to have a mobile phone because there are no public phones uh it's the first one since everyone has a mobile phone when the mobile phones uh started to get more uh public i believe and the price tag was getting uh, more reasonable then the public phones started to fade away i have used public pay phone like once or twice in my life when i was a kid but yeah there's a ask anyone in finland he has a cell phone so uh since nokia is a finnish company is nokia the most popular phone in finland right now uh i believe yeah but uh, i think the um iphone and samsung have been catching up because nokia as you, as you all know nokia isn't doing very well right now yeah <laughs> yeah i'm going to cover the next fact which is fact number 7 it says that 1 and 2 cent coins are not used in finland so basically when you're getting grocery or anything in finland uh the person who is giving you change they just round uh the price that they have to pay you back to the nearest 5 cents and uh, they don't care about the 1 and 2 cents is that right artsy yeah it is um you can actually have the um the 1 and 2 cents uh, at the sales like in the price tag like something cost can cost like um 4 euros 57 cents and stuff 
but when you go to the um, when you go to pay your uh, groceries, they um, they like uh, round it up to sixty if you pay in cash. If you pay it with your card, like Visa, Visa electronic or Mastercard and stuff, then uh, they use one and two cents too. But yeah, not uh, one and two cents aren't used like like in uh, to when you pay in cash. Yeah, and uh, I know it's a very uh, it's a very strange thing for an American, right, Noah? This uh, thing that you don't get all your money back. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people would have something to say about that. Yeah, uh, actually, I'm very familiar with it because I'm from India. And uh, in India, we have uh, one rupee. And one rupee is basically one fortieth of a dollar. And one rupee is divided into 100, you can say, cents or 100 pesas. And nobody cares about uh, returning you even 50 pesa or 25 pesa. They'll just round it up to a rupee. And if you buy, if you bought something for nine dollars and fifty cents, and you pay ten, ten rupees, uh, nine rupees and fifty uh, pesa, and you paid uh, ten, uh, ten rupees for it, they're just gonna not give you any change because they're like, hey, we don't use those coins anymore. So I mean, I, I've seen markets uh, that actually adopt this kind of thing so i'm not that it's it's not that much of an alien concept to me <laughs> all right let's move on to interesting fact number eight so finland probably holds the world record for hosting world championships uh, a lot of the major events include wife carrying, mobile throw mobile phone throwing, mosquito catching, swamp soccer, sauna, boot throwing, and air guitar. Now Artsy, I know you're still working on the wedding front, uh, but could you potentially be the next face of wife carrying? <laughs> well possibly, yeah, but um yeah, why not? But um I'm not really into that kind of sport, but it, it would be cool like test it out sometime since it's uh, they are usually like, wacky events, all of them. Like, <laughs> and by the way, Swamp Soccer, it's just awesome game. It, it's so hard and so consuming, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I have seen uh, Swamp Soccer in a couple of documentaries over there and it's 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 pretty difficult mm -hmm. I'm gonna move on to fact number nine when driving in Finland you must keep your headlights on at all times so is that a fact yeah it is and if you drive around uh, without your headlights people are just going to flash when they um, come towards you they are going to flash their lights to like signal you, hey, guy, you, you forgot your headlights. And if police sees that they are, uh, okay, they usually don't stop you and ticket you by that. They just flash their blue lights. But yeah, it's um, okay, that's that's interesting. It, yeah, it's a fact. And uh, every 
every even a little bit newer car has automatic lights when you like start up the car the lights go on so it's a fact <laughs> all right and finally fact number 10 Finns love their sauna. Uh, now, we aren't making any claims to whether the Finns invented the sauna, but there are approximately 2.2 million saunas in Finland. Ertzi, do you frequent the sauna? Yep. And I have to say, Finns did invent the sauna, so there's no question about it. <laughs> I think it's between the Swedes and the Finns, right? Both of them are trying to say, we invented the sauna. No, we did. Yeah. Uh, uh, honestly, I don't know which one did it. I, I believe it's it was Finland, but it could be any one of them. I think if we, if we ever get uh, somebody from uh, DICE onto our podcast, he's from, they, they would probably be from Sweden. We can ask them, yeah. and they might say it's completely the opposite thing. Well, they are from DICE, so you can't really tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just kidding. They are cool guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, 2.2 million saunas for 5.5 million people is, is a lot of saunas, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, sauna is an awesome thing. Yeah. When even, uh, even more if you have like a smoke sauna. So it's like old, old, old traditional one. Uh, the whole sauna, like warming up the sauna, it takes. You have to start warming it up at, uh, like, at the early morning, so you can uh, bath in there in the evening. Wow, wow! But it's 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 the traditional way. It's it's so awesome, it's and the bir- yeah, it's totally worth it. And the birds leaves and stuff. So if you haven't if you haven't tried it, you have to try. Yeah, um, I have never tried a sauna, but I have tried a jacuzzi. That's that's how yeah. that's how hot I've been around uh, my mm-hmm. body, whatever. <laughs> but um, okay. So Artsy, did we miss any fact, any interesting thing about Finland that we kind of missed here? Um. Uh, well, there's a lot of. Uh, strange facts and rumors about Finland, but I'm not going to talk about them too much now. But um, I don't know. They um, yeah, no, no, we didn't miss anything too important. Yeah, I think if we if we talk talk more about Finland, we can go on for an hour. <laughs> we just make make this a Finland podcast. Yeah, of, <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. So and Artsy can translate it in Finnish and release it in his country. <laughs> <laughs> they all speak yeah. English. Yeah, ba- basically everyone is, speaks English. Okay. One thing I've heard from my friend is the, uh, the Finnish language is like any other language in the world. It's like Hungarian, but like it's not similar to any language, any other language. Yeah, the uh, Hungarian is like some kind of uh, distant, distantly related. To, uh, Finnish language, mm-hmm. but it's not not near like it. Yeah, it's pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, and I've heard like people who doesn't fluently speak Finnish that it's so hard 
uh, like to learn it. But I, I don't have an uh, input on that since I've, uh, I've been speaking it all my life. So, yep. so Noah, you want to take us to the next segment? So we're going to move into just a little bit of a recap of our real life weeks. Uh, just, you know, say anything that interesting happened or just lay down some news from our personal side of things. Zitter, what about you? Uh, well, I would like to tell you guys that I had a very hard day at work today. And as I mean, I was really tired and I wasn't, I was, I was questioning myself whether I would be able to do the podcast with all the energy today or not. But I came home, I took a shower, I went downstairs and my wife made me this awesome dinner. My awesome wife made me some awesome dinner, and uh, I was I was back in the mood. I was like, yeah, I I, I want to do this podcast. I want to I want to talk about Finland. I want to talk about games. So I mean, this week, uh, I actually played Killzone 3. I was a little burnt out on Battlefield 3, but I still played around 10-15 hours of Battlefield 3, <laughs> even though I was burnt out. Uh, but moving on to Killzone 3, yeah, I played Killzone 3. I bought their DLC pack. I think it was eight new modes on the older maps for like 10 bucks. So you basically get like eight maps for 10 bucks, which is not bad. Um, and I mean, there uh, there is some stuff that I like about Killzone 3, which I would like to see in Battlefield 3. So I will, I will try to give you guys a little bit of uh, information about Killzone 3 right now. Okay, so in Killzone 3, what you can do... Have you guys played Killzone 3, any, any one of you? I played. Nah. A, I either rented it or played a demo, but it was only for a couple hours. What about you, Artsy? No, no. I um, I have heard about it and watched a bunch of YouTube videos. Yeah. About it, but yeah, um, haven't haven't tried it. Okay. Uh, here I'm gonna cover the things that I like about Killzone 3, which might be interesting to put in Battlefield 3. But I'm not going to cover the things that I hate about Killzone 3 because I've, I've still not decided on it. I'm still pretty much an armature at Killzone. So I'm, I'm no good to criticize the game. So one thing is that you can pick up a weapon from the enemy without picking up his whole kit. Like in Battlefield 3, if you pick up an engineer weapon or an engineer kit, you get mines, you get repair torch and everything else. But in Killzone 3, you can pick up the weapon so you could be like a medic rolling out with an LMG in Killzone 3 or with a sniper rifle, even cooler. So I mean, this this is this is something really cool which I would I would like to like see in Battlefield 3. Maybe they put some kind of free for all mode in there, and so that we can just pick up the weapon and everything and just roll around with it in a sandbox. Some other games that allow you to pick up just the gun instead of the entire class. You know, the Call of Duty franchise is pretty well known for that. Yeah. Um, as far as your free-for-all thing, I don't think we can expect that anytime soon yeah. in, in Battlefield. Because the whole point about Battlefield, as opposed to most other shooters, is that it's really all about your team. And uh, one way is like um, basically Killzone actually encourages you picking up different weapons because it gives you very less bullets to start with. I mean, in Killzone, it takes around 20 plus bullets to kill an enemy, whereas in Battlefield 3, it takes maybe 5 to 10 bullets. So, I mean, and it gives you like 80 bullets to start with. So you, you're going to be picking up a lot of weapons. 
I'm try I'm gonna try and go to, go through these ones quick because I don't think we want to discuss Killzone 3 too much. Um, second thing is medic can revive itself. Uh, so if you if you die you can basically uh, after three or four seconds you can press a button and you can revive yourself uh, and it also has a companion bot which flies with it and shoots at enemies so when you're passing an area basically your bot will start shooting at enemies and then you're gonna realize oh wow there is an enemy to my left I should be shooting at him and also sometimes what happens is that if your enemy kills you the bot is still alive if the enemy doesn't kill the bot the bot can take out the enemy sometimes so I mean if you have if you have hurt the enemy enough that he's only on 10% health your bot can finish him off even if you die so that's that's kind of a cool thing one thing I really liked is that you get 1.5 times the points if your team wins which is which is really awesome for PTFO mentality guys who who doesn't want to who really want uh, who really work to make their team win and it's it's kind of a nice incentive to do that and I would recommend the game for uh, uh, if you can get it right now. I think you can find it for ten bucks on eBay, and that's a, that's a really good buy. Uh, buy. Uh, only negative things. Couple of negative things. I haven't seen much squad play in Killzone 3. Even guys who are on mic, they are not calling out positions and everything. I don't know why that is, or maybe I haven't gotten with a squad which actually talks about uh, positions and play, plays it tactically. So I mean if if you like working in squads and everything you might not like the game all that much. So that's that's my Killzone 3 impressions and that's what I've been playing a little and I think I'm getting back to BF3 right now and I'm starting to enjoy it more because I've given it a little bit of break. So Noah, what are you up to? Well, I am finally done with my summer job. So that is great news gonna take a a little vacation now and then so don't know if i'll be back next week but fingers crossed i will be uh if i can get wi-fi where i am <laughs> um this week my girlfriend's in town and we actually pretty much live a long distance relationship for the most part of the year so it's really nice when we can get together so i'm pretty much just drinking it all in as much as i can so you're taking off gaming to spend time with your girlfriend <laughs> I have been gaming a lot less this week. Okay, okay, that's 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 really good. No, it's not. No, it's not <laughs> because he be, he's been ditching you when you call him to yeah, play exactly. Daisy and all those other games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm just kidding now. So Artsy, <laughs> when Nova is not around, what are you doing, man? Um, nothing much. Basically the same stuff. Um, I've been playing a lot. Regardless, Vice has been hanging with his girlfriend, but um, I have played a lot of DC, um, some Battlefield, and a little bit Blacklight Retribution. Try, I have tried to make some YouTube videos for my channel, but I've been fleeing, uh, feeling a little bit lazy, so I've been just playing and watching some videos on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Blacklight Retribution. I've seen some videos of it. I really want to try that game someday. Yeah, def you definitely should. It's like if Battlefield, Halo, and um, Call of Duty had a baby, mm -hmm. it would be Blacklight Retribution. So it's a nice game and it's free to play. So definitely pick it up. So Nova, you were also getting excited about Torchlight 2, right? 
Well, that's true. Uh, so I pre-ordered Torchlight 2, and it came with the free copy of Torchlight on Steam. And I had, I had never played Torchlight 1, but it just seems like a game I would enjoy. So I went ahead and pre-ordered it. And then I got into Torchlight, played about 10 minutes, and I was pretty happy with my purchase. But the only thing we know about the release date of Torchlight 2 is that it's coming out sometime this summer. Okay. So, I mean, it, it, this uh, summer is almost over. They haven't finalized any kind of release date for that game. That That's a little odd. <laughs> it is a little odd. A lot of people are kind of concerned um, that it might not come out till fall or even the winter season, holiday season, the start of next year. I still think it'll be out by the end of the summer. I guess the summer lasts for at least another month now. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. For our listeners who do not know what Torchlight is, I think it's a Diablo-style game, right? From You you kind of have a top view. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like Diablo. Um, if you guys remember games like Gauntlet, uh, Legends, or Dark Legacy, games like that, or uh, even if you ever played uh, Champions of Norath or Champions Return to Arms on the PS2, one of my favorite games of all time. It's, it's just kind of like a top-down action RPG type game. Okay, that's cool, that's cool. I've, I've spent some time in those games. So guys, moving on to a news section. Um, the first news we have is that Battlefield EA actually reported this, that Battlefield 3 premium passes have passed 1.3 million members. That's a huge number. Uh, did you guys even expect them to come to this number? Um, actually, I expe- expected a little bit more. Um, I don't know why. It's just like, in my opinion, kind of thing. For me, for me, it's almost mandatory to have the premium. Um, well. Mostly because of uh, I'm just a hardcore Battlefield fanboy, so um, I don't know. It's just in my opinion, it just cam comes within the packets. So Noah, what do you what do you think? Did you expect them to reach this number? Well, I think we we heard a number back in February that they had sold over 10 million copies of the game. So we see that about you know give or take couple million one in ten people have purchased battlefield premium and you know i don't know i kind of agree with Ertzy and the fact that it's a great deal and there's no reason not to buy it but people also hate spending money so not everyone buys the dlc that comes out even with their favorite games so i'm pleased by the number not sure if i'm really surprised by it yeah, I'm actually surprised by uh, this number because, I mean, first, it's it's almost more than 10% retention because everybody who is buying premium is going to be playing this game for a long time. And also, I mean, anybody who buys premium, I'm, I'm almost sure they're going to be the ones who are going to reach level 100 kernel. So I'm, I'm actually happy and surprised, but I'm also happy that uh, people are going to 
play this game for a while and we will have a community and we will have friends to play with this uh, play on this game because they have invested that amount of money i think when i bought premium after that i started taking the game a little bit more seriously because i have put money in it i don't know about you guys yeah, i certainly i feel almost a little bit special by owning premium and i mean i realize that i'm special i'm one in 1.3 million but i don't know it's a it's a nice way to i guess feel on top uh when the ps3 got the close quarters maps it was two weeks early with premium i felt just you know everyone i was playing against in these close quarter maps were the premium members and it really showed in terms of their playing. I think that they are some of the, most of the better Battlefield 3 players do indeed have premium. Not all of them, but most of them. Yeah, that's, that's certainly true. Uh, one fear I have is like, because DICE already has our money, they've sold us the premium, they might become lazy in their DLCs, future DLCs for Battlefield 3. What do you guys think about that? I don't believe they are like going to get uh, more lazy than they already are, right? <laughs> um, but let's just hope they don't. And and as the numbers show, they still have some money to get out of the premium. So there are still people uh, who haven't bought the premium. So. Um, I'm thinking they are going to uh, try to milk the cow totally empty before abandoning, abandoning the burning ship or something. Noah, you also have yeah. similar feelings? Uh, well, just kind of piggybacking on something Artsy said at the end there. Mm -hmm. um, not everyone has premium. He brought that out. And that almost scares me a little bit because a lot of people have bought close quarters without buying premium. And if DICE really wants to get in on those guys, DICE and EA, if they really want to make everyone buy premium, they're really going to have to sweeten the deal a little bit more, because not only do they not get the uh, back to Karkin free, now they don't get uh, close quarters free. Uh, so I think if they want to get all of the people who bought close quarters but not premium, they're going to have to do something special for those guys, which scares me because I like special things. So if they get it, I better get it too. And I'm worried that I won't as a, you know, early premium adopter. You know, I bought it as early as you possibly could on the PlayStation. I bought it hour one. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a little scared on that. Yeah. But... Going back to the, the DICE EA thing, I see premium as a contract. We paid them this much money. They are releasing us this many um, map packs. And if they are not quality, well, I guess there's nothing I can do because they have my money. But, you know, other people will share their voices a lot more than I will when it comes to being angry at them if they do not give us what they promised to give us. Yeah, I, I actually you raised a very good point is the people who already own close quarters and they already own back to car canned premium. If they if they try to buy premium right now, it's almost a ripoff because they're going to pay five dollars more than what 
than the amount of money they need to buy uh, the than the amount of money they need to spend to get all other dlcs in the future so i mean in if dice and ea wants to get those people they might have to lower the price of the premium maybe in september or october maybe make it 30 bucks or so but that is going to piss off the premium members so i mean these are all speculations but the, these are something some interesting things to think about uh, how dice is gonna think and how dice is gonna bring those people overboard to premium or not so do you guys expect the price of premium to go down in uh, the next three months maybe after armor kill comes out yeah uh, oh yeah, Earth, you can go. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, or they have to add something more special into that, uh, like more than the cardboard box cutter kind of knife and the prioritized queue thingy. But yeah, I um. As it is, I think they're going to lower the price. And I disagree. <laughs> because here's kind of how I see it. They want $50 extra from everyone. So it doesn't matter when you buy premium. I do think that they will sweeten the deal. And here is a Nova Dragon prediction. Everyone take out your uh, paper. <laughs> pens and pencils and write this one down. Because this one's going to be big. All right. Here's my prediction. After Medal of Honor is released, which we know has the uh, Battlefield 4 beta attached to it, after Medal of Honor is released, I believe that DICE or EA will make an announcement saying that all premium members also get to be a part of the Battlefield 4 beta. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is some prediction. and That, that, <laughs> that sounds like EA. Doesn't sound like dice. I don't want. I don't want to taint dice, but we can just throw a splatter here because they they do stuff like that all the time. But yeah. Um. Anyway, I've noted it down, and I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna see. I, I'm hoping you're right. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. So uh, the next news item, Noah. I think you put it in there. So you want to cover it? Oh uh, yes. Yes. Well, I watched a uh, a video from. I don't. I don't actually think I'm a sub, but uh, the end zero zero four five zero zero. He posts a lot of really good videos on YouTube. Most of them are really factual. They have information that I do not have because he talks to people who are actually important. And he has released some game footage, uh, which was also found on GameSpot, um, of a new map. It was called Armored. Steel, I believe. Yes, that is, is that one correct? of that is yes. one of the name for one yes. of the map in uh, the Armored Kill DLC. Yep. It's Armored Shield, actually, and uh, so basically, he just pointed out that this map looks a lot like Caspian Border, uh, mainly that it's just, you know in the same geographic location. There are a lot of green hills and trees, and the roads are all dirt. Um, and he he actually mentioned something that brings us to our next point. He talks about that there is already some spawn killing from the Russian side of that map in tank superiority mode. And that leads me to wonder how 
close can you get to the spawns if there is spawn killing in a tank superiority game? To me, the spawns have to be at least quite a ways back um, because we know that the you know, laser-guided tank shells can go quite a ways. I think we really need to see either some mountains or hills put up there so that you can't get hit in your spawns or just move the move the out map area forward for the opposing team. Yeah, I think I think spawn killing will definitely be a problem if the map is flat. Uh, if the spawn is behind a hill, then it's it's a little safer. But uh, I mean, how do you how do you flank in a tank superiority or armored kill mode? Um, that that is that is mainly the question. I mean, you can have um, what you call basically burrows between two two mountains through which you can go but they could only be like two or three places that the tanks can come out and it could be spawn camped in that way and i mean uh, talking about uh, talking about spawn killing and tank superiority we we actually got some details on tank superiority mode uh, basically it's going to be uh, it's going to feature around 16 mix, uh, 16 mixed tanks and they are going to try and control a single flag and it would be more kind of a king of hill mode and uh, the single flag in the tank superiority mode is basically there to concentrate all the action from both teams at one place now uh, i haven't played any game that has king of hill mode and i'm kind of wondering uh what how king of hill is different than conquest uh, i'm pretty sure you guys have played a lot of multiplayer games and you guys would be able to answer that mm, yeah um as you mentioned uh, you compared the conquest normal conquest from battlefield and the king of the hill uh, and you mentioned uh, the action is going to uh, concentrate on a certain back and you actually answered your own question there i think um, yeah, the action is going to concentrate on a relatively small area. We don't, we don't like know how uh, uh, how big the flag gap or flag hold area is going to be, since if there's going to be like eight plus eight tanks, so it can't be like five meters radius for the flag. But um, I believe it's going to be quite cool. Since um really uh, imagine like metromet grinder stairs or any flags on the close quarter maps and at tanks there. So we are basically expecting conquest with a single flag kind of deal. Uh, yeah, I, I believe so. It's um it sounds like one. What are your impressions, Noah, of uh, the statement? <laughs> well, I think that. I think that Ritchie kind of hit a nail on the head there. I think that King of the Hill is not going to be your typical King of the Hill game. Uh, Ritchie and I have been playing some black-white retribution, and King of the Hill, you basically have to be sitting on top of, well, I guess it's like a, a little robot thing in black-white retribution, but you have to be on top of the hill in order for it to be captured. But I think in Armored Kill, we're going to see maybe even an actual hill that you have to control, I guess. 
uh, and, you know, it might even become, if the tanks can't necessarily get a good angle, it might become sort of like a small team deathmatch game actually on the hill. Uh, so it'll be kind of like a mix between team deathmatch and conquest. It's possible. No, no news yet on that. Yeah, I would love to get my ammo crate and my javelins ready and sit at a distance and start firing on that hill <laughs> in this mode. Yeah. And hope and, and just hope someone has to show flam that Yes, yes. Overpowered teamwork. Yeah. Yeah, and it's actually you know, it's kinda of funny that King of the Hill mode came up because I had a dream a couple nights ago. Yes, I dream about Battlefield three. And I was dreaming about a King of the Hill mode, but instead, it was instead of being for the tank superiority game, it was a replacement for Squad Rush. Uh, so you can play it on, on close quarters. It's just a four versus four King of the Hill game. I think it would be a great addition to the close quarters maps. It might be a little bit hard to implement in the larger vanilla maps. Four versus four King of the Hill. That that actually sounds good. I mean. Because, I mean, if there are too many people, they will just keep reviving each other and <laughs> nobody is going to be able to control the hill. But I think 4 versus 4 might be uh, the way to go on that. So uh, we're going to move on to our next topic. And um, EA, ESPR basically released a very vague statement saying that Battlefield 4 will release between April 2013 and March 2014. And this kind of statement makes no sense because uh, Medal of Honor uh, pre-orders promises a Battlefield for beta in fall 2013. So it just shows that how how disconnected ESPR is with Origin and DICE. And I mean, why even bother to give us a one-year release time? What do you guys think? Well, we all know that Battlefield 4, or whatever the next Battlefield is, will release approximately a couple weeks, maybe a month, before the next Call of Duty. Obviously, not before Black Ops 2, but before that year's Call of Duty. So, I mean, we can pretty much almost guarantee that it'll be out sometime in the October, maybe September range. I don't know why they gave us such a big timeline there. It, it kind of turns me off a little bit. Yeah, Artsy, what do you think? I think they are like starting to build the hype. Uh, yeah, you are. You are like you are right there that um, they are a little bit disconnected. But as I said, they are starting to build hype uh, to take up the community and get some free ad advertising time and make people talk about it. and. As we have shown already, they can make a huge focus without having anything concrete or complete, like anything uh, real to show the community. And with the community, community as it is, it's working quite well. Yeah, I think uh, it makes people talk, and I think that's all they are hoping for, is that, hey, let's release this news, it's going to make some people talk. Let them criticize us, it's still publicity, and it's still good publicity, or whatever. 
I think they're trying to go along those lines, I believe. Now, moving on to our roundtable discussion, and we have two different topics for discussion today. And the first one, its title is Battlefield 3, Have You Achieved Your Goals? Uh, I watched a video on YouTube from Super Clappy 1984, and uh, what he asked was, when you purchased, he asked a lot of questions in that video, but majorly what he concentrated on, when you purchased the game, what did you think you were going to do in the game? What, what, what was your goal? Like, I'm going to be a competitive player. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to uh, fly a jet. I mean, what, what were your goals? And have you achieved it? Because, I mean, the game has been out for almost eight or nine months now. And are there any goals that you had in mind in the start and after discovering the game mechanics and everything, you got attached to different goals and different things and you started doing different things. So basically what he is asking here is what, how did you, when you purchased this game, what did you thought about it? What were your plans and how those plans have gone and what are your plans for the future in Battlefield 3? So Ertzi, I think you want to go first on this one, right? Yeah, uh, sure. Um, when I was like, when I heard about Battlefield Three, I was so excited since I um, I started the Battlefield Two, and I just fell in love uh, for the whole series. Um, I think the main goals were like to have an awesome, awesome game. Uh, maybe a little bit competitive side. Um, and also to squad up with people, since um, I didn't really squad up on uh, previous battlefields. I don't know why, I had some friends, but not a, a like real platoon. Um, the other question, like, uh, was it like uh, addition, uh, missions, or goals? Um, well, I believe um, YouTube channel is one of those, since um, that wasn't my plan at the start when I was purchasing the game, but it just like came along. I, um, I mean, I had thought about starting my own YouTube channel for a while, like one or two years, but it just came along. Battlefield 3, but, and I think in the future um, I want to be a better player, so uh, I, I'm, ju I'm just that, that kind of person who hates, I just hate losing, and I want to constantly be um, like honing my skills and evolving in the game and improving myself. So I believe that that's what I'm going to do in the near future. And I think only thing I have achieved in Battlefield is um, I'm having a blast playing it. And I have uh, awesome people uh, in the company 008 to play with. So those are the things I have uh, achieved already. But everything else, it's us. 
it's just bad. So trying to get a be, be a better player and do some battlefield content. Yeah, I've uh, that that is a very interesting thing that you told me that Battlefield Three inspired you to start your YouTube channel, and I think I have seen that common trend. I don't know whether I'm in the game, that's why I'm seeing this common trend, or I'm in touch with the community. But I'm seeing a lot of people who always had this idea in their head that hey, I want to start a YouTube channel. But it wasn't until Battlefield 3 that they actually got inspired enough to say, like, yes, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it with this game. And I think, Noah, you also started uh, your own channel. So why don't you tell us about your impression of uh, when you per from when you purchased the game and how is it going until now, and what do you plan for the future? Well, uh, just to... Uh coming quickly yes I did start a channel um, one thing that some people might not notice is that I don't pretty much so I, I play Battlefield the most but I don't stick solely to Battlefield uh, Archie doesn't as well so we're we're some of the good guys but uh, <laughs> just kidding you guys are all good but I like to play a variety of games so I've kind of set up my channel to promote a variety of games but Let's see, it was it was about 10 months ago, actually, that Battlefield came out. Uh, nine and a half, I guess. So when I was buying Battlefield, I basically was buying every hit game that was coming out then. I had a lot of extra money, um, <laughs> less so now, but it was great. You, sh great you should say you were loaded. Yes, I was <laughs> loaded, or should I say reloaded. Um, but so yeah, I was buying every game that was coming out. Basically my whole thought was I'm going to try this game out. If I like it, I'll keep playing it. If not, I'll, you know, throw it on the shelf and maybe take it out once or twice. So I bought Battlefield and it was a lot of fun to start off with. A little glitchy here and there. Um, but I made it to, you know, about like level 22 by the time Call of Duty came out about a month later and once Call of Duty came out I switched off Battlefield uh, pretty much Shame you know you. in my mind I switched off for good because Call of Duty came out and that's where all the real online competition is right guys so <laughs> um, as a joke <laughs> but uh, so I play Call of Duty I actually I hook up with who someone who is now one of my better online friends. Um, I hook up with him and his clan on Call of Duty. And one day, we're just sitting bored of Call of Duty. It's, you know, sometime in February. And we both realize that we have Battlefield 3. So we're like, uh, you know, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. So we try it out. And <laughs> we have a fantastic time playing it. So... We're playing this game four hours a day, every day. And, you know, that sounds crazy, but it was crazy. It was a crazy part of my life right there. So uh, I started getting back into Battlefield 3. It became pretty much my sole game for a while. You know, I still played the FIFA, Madden, those type of games, just games that you can play in between rounds or something like that. And so I started getting a lot better at Battlefield which really inspired me. Once I hit uh, 
kind of level one or, you know, level 46, as we might call it, I kind of got a little sidetracked. I stopped having things to unlock, and so I didn't really know how to play the game. Uh, I started watching a lot of YouTube videos around that time. I uh, got a little hooked on watching Culprit 008 videos, and, you know, that kind of introduced me into... I guess the community of Battlefield 3. Before I had been a solo player or a small squad player, just me and one other guy. And we had fun, but once I entered the community on that Zitters app, <laughs> you know, we had a good time. We started playing together. I got my PC up and running playing Battlefield 3. I'm at Ertzy. So now I, I guess I'm really kind of more focused on that community aspect. I like to play games with people. As Ertzi said, I love winning, hate losing. So it's not as much about killing as it is about winning. Uh, so pretty much I just want to continue making friends. I want to continue being involved in the community. Um, I keep my channel going, and I think that Battlefield 3 is one way I can do that. Uh, so in your case, uh, Battlefield 3 was not the game that inspired you to start your YouTube channel, right? Uh, yeah, you know, it was actually more culprit that inspired me. Now, all of his videos at the time were Battlefield 3, but I just saw how much fun he was having making those videos, pretty much pumping out one a day, and I thought, hey, I might as well try it. Yeah, that's uh, that's very cool. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I played the beta, and my impressions of the game were lukewarm, and uh, at that time, I didn't had time to game because I think I just I, I got married in May of last year and I wasn't playing any games I was just spending time with my wife we were just doing things together and everything but in March or April my wife told me hey why don't you start playing some of your games I mean she I thought she would mind that I'm I'm gaming three hours a day or four hours a day after coming from work and I'm not paying attention to her but she said no you you can go start playing some games of your own and that's not that's not a problem so i basically and at that time it was like yeah battlefield 3 because i have had so much fun with bad company 2 i just wanted to just play that particular game so i actually jumped into battlefield 3 pretty late i mean i jumped in i think my backlog says april 6th or something it was after uh, the usas was patched and the M26 Dart uh, glitch was uh, discovered. So I jumped into the game at that time. And uh, my first impression of Battlefield 3 was, this is just Bad Company 2 with jets. Okay, But then later on, I got into more gun mechanics, gun unlocks, and the attachment system. And I really started appreciating how complicated and how customizable this game is and how you have to learn the mechanics and the way you shoot every gun to be good at this game you can't just be a good shooter to be good at this game you also need to learn the guns you need to learn which attachment work for you and all those things and i mean when i bought the game i my intentions were just to play it as much as bad company 2 well, I've played Bad Company 2 for about 146 hours, 
but I've played Battlefield 3 for more hundred more than 300 hours now, 310 or something. So I mean, I, I see myself much more engaged in this game. I think the major reason behind that is the unlock system and the gun mechanics. And I love when I figure out how to shoot MG36 and then how to shoot LSAT because they're all uh, all little different. Um, I actually made a lot of friends in Battlefield 3. I joined a platoon called Grad with Guns. And this is a platoon on the PlayStation 3 for young professional and parents and they do not accept anybody I think who's below 21 so I mean I had a lot of friends with uh, uh, those people and what I found strange was that many of the people that I played with in Bad Company 2 they actually didn't like Battlefield 3 all that much for some reason and so and that was the only reason where I had to make new friends and I got uh, involved with uh, the 008 guys I mean I met Noah and whenever he can find time to get on the PS3 <laughs> it's always fun so I mean that that that's how that's how it all uh, started developing and then I thought about hey let's get more involved with the community let's do a podcast let's get three or four guys together and chat about Battlefield 3 and chat about other games and just have fun and my plan for the future is right now my plan is I want to unlock each and every gun and their attachment and it is getting a little difficult because now I'm running into guns that are really bad or that do not suit my play style and I'm having a little bit of frustrating moment with them and that's why I'm kind of getting I don't know maybe that is the reason I'm getting a little burnt out on Battlefield 3 these days but uh, and I believe Artsy what are your future plans in Battlefield 3? What do you what do you plan to do? I think Noah just wants to be in the community mode, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. What about you, Artsy? What are your future plans in Battlefield 3? Um. Well, of course, I want to be a uh, like better player, so uh, I constantly uh, honing my skills, as I uh, mentioned before. Um. Getting uh, maybe getting more uh, into the whole community, Battlefield 3 community, and uh, to dig a dig um, more deeper the whole YouTube thing. And um, I'm actually thinking um, maybe maybe a little bit of um, competitive competitive gaming. Since um, I got a little, little competitive uh, bite from the uh, project PTFO where I was playing in the Culprits team, by the way, um, it was a lot of fun. The comp- competitive uh, side of Battlefield, since before it has just been like casual gaming. Uh, I used to play Counter Strike as a competitive player back in the days, but yeah, um, that's basically my uh, plans in Battlefield 3 in the near future. So, uh, Noah, do you want to get into competitive uh, side? Because I think you're a pretty good player. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, you know, obviously still, I've just got a lot to learn still. Uh, and, you know, switching over to PC teaches me that 
even more. Um, there's just so much more to Battlefield than I thought at one point in time. But, you know, I, I also played in the Project PTFO tournament with, uh, not with RT, but I played on the PS3 team, Team LOL, with Dark Symmetry and Chuggy, and I had an amazing time. And so I guess in the future, uh, not just in terms of competition, but I really want to work on squad mechanics. I think that is one place that I could really see some improvement in my gameplay. Um, and I think it will really improve the overall Battlefield game if we really do start relying heavily on our individual squads. Yeah, I, I do understand that. And that is one mechanic which is very difficult to get right. I mean, I, I more for myself, I can hold my own and I can, I can play well, but I cannot lead a squad. I, it's very difficult to make a decision whether you want to stay at this flag or you want to go and capture some other flag. And I think there was one game on Karg Island that I played with you where you, you told us to still, to stay on D and keep, keep them keep the guys occupied who are coming from the russian base and we were playing the american team and you told us like hey stay on delta so i mean i think i think you might have some leadership qualities and i think on pc you would even learn more and uh, start applying them <laughs> yeah the only problem i have with leadership is nobody listens to I you always, well <laughs> Yeah, you'd be surprised. People tend to listen once. Yeah. Once someone emerges as a leader, you'd be surprised at how ready people are to accept them as their leader. But one problem I have is, for some reason, I always end up splitting my squad up into two and two. So I'll tell two people to stay out, and then I'll take someone else, and we'll go try to get Charlie. But by the time we get to Charlie, they could be under fire, they could be dead, depending on the skill of my squad mates. So I think... You know, I appreciate your kind words, but I definitely still have tons to learn about leading squad as well. Yeah, I think I think that is one of the most difficult and complicated mechanic uh, to figure out in Battlefield 3. Artsy, do you have any tips or anything about how to uh, keep a squad together and what how you go from objective to objective? What do you uh, if you're leading what what kind of decisions you take? Um, that's actually uh, quite a hard one since um, every decision depends so much on on the meta game and the situation you're actually in. But um, maybe the best best tip I can like like give is uh, play together. That's the only way to like. Uh, figure out the squad roles and like learn the proper comms and um, it's also it, um, the decision making it's not just about the leader to make the decision, make the decision. Um, it's about the whole squad since the leader is uh, only a human so um, it's important that the squad is also backing him up, like sharing the information 
and relying on that information, it's more easy to make that uh, decision. And the, uh, all the decisions that leaders make, they are, they are, they might be uh, right or wrong, and it it just depends so much on the meta game. So it's um as um one of you mentioned before, um it's a very hard one. Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, Clappy, I mean, he talks about that, how he got into a little bit more competitive side of uh, Battlefield 3 with the, with his 008, uh, company 008 clan. And I mean, I have, um, I mean, I, I tried competitive uh, in Bad Company 2 for a while, maybe for like three weeks or so. Uh, and uh, I, I just found out that it was just, it was not for me because uh, I I do not have any kind of regular schedule on which I play games. Uh, many competitive clans and everything, they want you to be at a certain place and a certain time for practice and all those things. Uh, there is a lot of uh, stuff you can learn uh, by going to their practices, but it's just uh, the schedule never matches. And then uh, if you're playing competitively, you have to use the same gun, uh, every time so that you get really used to it and for me I kind of feel like that makes the game pretty monotonous to me uh, because I like to use different weapons every I like to use different uh, attachments and I like to try things out and figure things out and every time I figure something out I get like a Mario coin string moment <laughs> whenever I'm like oh yeah this is how you use this stuff that's cool so I mean uh, I kind of I kind of trying to stay away from the competitive side that's why I try to hang out with uh, uh, some uh, players which actually P PTO they always play the objective but we don't try to do go for clan matches and all those things so uh, what do you guys think uh, Noah you can go first uh, do you think that if you go too much into the competitive side, you will be using the same attachment and the same guns and the game might become a little monotonous to you? Or are they too, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure there's an other side to this coin too. Yeah, uh, I definitely can understand what you're talking about. Um, because essentially... You know, Ertzi and I talk a lot about our try-hard pants. You know, you run the M16, you run the Cobra site, you run the heavy barrel attachment, um, and basically you just destroy everyone because you're trying really hard. Uh, but that gets boring, and you're you're right on that. Um, it was actually kind of interesting because during my experience with the PTFO tournament, I had a couple different options. I could run the M16 if I wanted to, but I actually chose to run the AN-94 to give our squad a little bit of a mid to mid-long range kind of fire. We had one person playing a battle SKS and then two people running M16s. So I think it really doesn't help your team if everyone runs one gun. But if you do, you know, mix it up a little bit every now and then, it can actually sort of re-energize your team yeah, definitely. Artsy, do you have anything to say on this, or we move to the next topic? Uh, yeah, actually, um, 
you're right on that one that um if you use only one gun all the time it it gets boring yeah i agree with that but there's um for me there's two sides in battlefield uh, there's this castle side where i can like play whatever gun i um i like to i i also like to play uh, with different guns i'm trying to get some unlocks for them except if if i put my try hard pants on <laughs> which means basically m16 a3 uh, and actually ami4 is also becoming my try hard weapon yeah exactly uh, but on the competitive side you use you know, when you like specialize on uh, one certain weapon um and there's uh, the whole other things that give you the pleasure than the casual gaming yeah um, you know what i'm uh, you know what i'm saying yeah like casual gaming you you try out the uh, different ones and you you get this maria coin jing ideas but on compet- on competitive side uh how to say it you get the kicks out of it on a different way like beating up people not not exactly beating beating <laughs> people but being like um better than them yeah. i'm a very i'm very competitive person uh, i'm a amateur kickboxer in finland too so um the competitive side is too strong in me so Okay, so you're more of a competitive player than casual player for at least Battlefield 3. Yeah, let's say 50-50, it's, uh, it's kind of close. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to move on to our next topic here of discussion. And uh, recently, uh, 2K Games boss, that's what they call him, um, he's basically, I mean, 2K Games have came up with really cool games. One of them is Bioshock, which I loved. Um, He actually released a statement and he said that uh, in order to create new genres of gaming, we need uh, photorealistic uh, graphics or photorealism. And uh, I just wanted to get your your opinion on it. do we need do we really need photorealism to get into new genres of uh, gaming? Noah, you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Uh, I'm not so sure. Um, so I I play some some of everything and one day I was sitting there playing Madden and I realized that playing a video game actually looks better than watching the game in real life on television. Uh, Obviously, not in a stadium, because that's a completely different thing. But if you have a screen between you and whatever you're watching, um, the video games almost tend to look better than the real life in certain areas, like the sports. Um, But it, it reminds me that it's not really the graphic that make the game good. Um, however, <laughs> graphics can make the game better. Um, so there's, there's two examples. I played Heavy Rain and L.A. Noir, um, games that came out for the 
PS3 and other systems for the past, uh, I don't know, maybe three years ago, Heavy Rain. Um, these games both look absolutely beautiful. The characters in these games, uh, you know, one of the quotes says, it's very hard to create deep emotions like sadness or love, uh, the things that drive movies. Um, and in these games, you definitely have, you know, that sadness or love or hate and envy. Um, I remember one time in Heavy Rain, we kind of, I was in college at that point, so I invited all my friends over to watch me play Heavy Rain. Why not? And we all were getting into it. We were, there's one mission where you have to crawl through a bunch of broken glass in a power plant. And we, we were all terrified because you never know what's around the next corner. It could be a rat or it could be, you know, fire that you have to escape. So, and then you really feel the emotions of the characters that you're playing because their faces just look so real. Uh, right at the start of the game, you actually have to, you know, wake up and take a shower, get ready, and you walk outside and you start having flashbacks. Well, throughout all of this, your character looks and moves very realistically. And I think that was one thing that made that specific game and that specific genre work really well. But I think Erzy might have something to say about the difference between kind of visually pleasing and games that really don't need to be tip-top photorealistic. Uh, yeah. Um, personally, I'm, I'm definitely piggybacking with you. Um, I just want to compare like the old classic games like, um, okay, Mario is a definite one. Um, Doom, everybody has played Doom or Wolfenstein 3D. Um, there are huge amounts of other classic games uh, and on different genres too that people loved and they still play them over 20 years later. So the graphics aren't exactly. Uh, I believe the graphics are the thing to make a uh, new genre or uh, make a good game or, or create uh, emotions, deep emotions as you as Nova mentioned before, like sadness or love. Um, however, of course, uh, eye candy, I love it. I love it when the game looks nice and uh, realistic. But uh, I believe the revolution is uh, coming, like um, since the industry and the whole gaming thing, it's um, it's almost the same thing over and over again. And people want uh, something different. But I believe, like, uh, besides the graphics and uh, besides the photorealism, I think it's your imagination that makes makes your gaming experience more strong, adapts you to your character, and um, that creates the strong uh, and deep emotions, as we uh, mentioned before. So, 
it's um it's a 50-50 i believe like um only downfall in the photorealistic graphics or photorealism in games is it's us that um they give you the idea what you should like think or feel in my opinion the main thing with actually counts it's your own imagination when you imagine um when you use your imagination you um you know when you read the book then um you imagine things and when you finish a book you miss it so it's um it's basically the same thing to the games in my uh in my opinion if, if you follow what i'm up yeah i i completely understand what you're saying is that basically what happens is that whenever you're playing a game or watching a movie take disney or pixar movies for uh example uh you create a image in your head and that image is it's it's not even photorealistic it's beyond photorealistic it's it's mm-hmm. it's so real to you that that image creates emotions uh you do not need better graphics to create emotions and i mean i have watched many wonderful disney and pixar movies which have conveyed more emotions to me than any other motion picture would do and they these movies have never been photorealistic but because my brain imagines those characters as real and those graphics are i mean it, it doesn't have to be great on graphics uh mm-hmm. the the brain basically act as a machine which will actually convert those cartoons into something above photorealism and uh, you will be able to enjoy uh these games a lot more and uh, and i i kind of uh, i think you were trying to touch on that topic that if games become too photorealistic i think it can also create a small problem where there is bad bad acting in video games like there's already bad lip syncing in many video games and that could could also create a problem where the acting in video game have to be perfect otherwise it's going to just throw you out of that kind of emotions uh i think nova you were trying to say something um well something you guys have kind of just kind of sparked in me is sort of what happens when graphics goes too far uh and there's really two two ways that this could happen um in terms of game development if these companies start focusing only on graphics well what happens to the gameplay but on the other side of the coin if they release a game that has amazing graphics will that by any chance hinder the gameplay experience uh i'm reminded of the game mag i'm pretty sure it was a ps3 exclusive um where 256 players can play in the same game well mag wasn't a beautiful game it looked okay but it was it was pretty glitchy here and there but certainly there would have been a lot less memory and ram to handle all of the beautiful quote unquote photorealism 
if there had been in that game photorealistic images. I think certain games would really be hurt by the actual graphic quality. Yeah, definitely. Like Borderlands and uh, uh, Team Fortress, if they have a certain art style to them and you try to make it too good and people, it's, they, they'll start, uh, they will definitely get hurt by uh, this kind of system. So I wanted to give out, give you guys an example of uh, a game that will look amazing if it was photorealistic. Uh, I think the horror genre can really use photorealism because I was imagining myself in that space. The game is scary as it is right now with whatever graphics it has. But if those graphics were completely photorealistic, imagine those monsters or necromorphs running towards you. Noah, have you played uh, Dead Space? <laughs> you know, I haven't, but I have for the Fear series, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, it's most fun to sit in a dark room and play these games by yourself. So uh, when one of their monsters comes at you, you should be scared. And the more realistic these monsters can seem, I think the more scary they will be. Yeah, I think fear is an emotion which uh, is amplified by photorealism. But all the other emotion, like feeling awesome on the battlefield, killing like 20 people and having that amazing feeling, the, those those things don't need photorealism. And there are a lot of other emotions that actually do not need photorealism. But I think fear is one emotion that Photorealism just adds so much to it. It's it's amazing. So yeah, horror genre. They need photorealism. Okay guys, as you always know, we try to bring you some battlefield tips and tricks. And uh, today we're going to go, each of us are going to go through a, a, a single tip. And we're going to uh, get you guys to improve your gameplay. But before that, Instead of giving you a battlefield tip, I wanted to give you an iPhone tip. There is an app on the iPhone store that you can download and it's free. It's called Onavo. What this app basically does is it installs a certificate on your iPhone which makes your iPhone connect to the proxy servers of this app or this company called Onavo. And these proxy servers, whenever you are sending or receiving any kind of data between your phone and these servers, that data gets compressed. So this app can really help you guys save a lot of data. And I've been using this app for one year, and I think I have saved around 34% of whatever data I'm downloading. So if you're on a small plan like I am, I'm on a 200 megabyte per month plan, uh, you definitely want to check this uh, app out called Onavo and uh, you can thank me later. Now as far as my battlefield uh, tip of the episode is concerned, I just want to give you one tip. Uh, engineers can pick up enemy mines. So if you don't, if you don't have a grenade to blow up an enemy mine, uh, no worries. Just go close to the mine and hit your uh, square button on the PS3 or its equivalent on the PC and the Xbox and you would be able to pick up enemy mines. 
and I didn't knew this fact until like maybe two weeks earlier when somebody said hey you're an engineer you can pick up mines so Noah you got some tips to share did you know about the mines though <laughs> uh, yes I, I actually did um, and let's see I'm trying to remember when I learned it I think I actually learned it as a support because you can also pick up enemy C4 if I'm not mistaken even though you're an engineer well, no, as a support As a support, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one time it just showed me the pick this up icon instead of, you know, just nothing. And so I, I hit it, and I was kind of surprised at what happened. But, yeah, it, it's a really good tip because a lot of people don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, my tip kind of comes in from a different, a different kind of uh, area. Um, Zitters was kind of more of a different tip. Mine's kind of an offensive tip, uh, and that is you should really use stealth when necessary. Uh, now that the close quarters temp is out, um, a lot of people have been switching to the heavy barrel based on the recent patches. They have made the heavy barrel pretty awesome. And so previously, you know, everyone used the foregrip and the suppressor. Well, now everyone uses the heavy barrel and the bipod or something like that. Well, switching back to the suppressor every now and then can really save you quite a lot of deaths if you're concerned with KDR. It also gives you a lot of kills because people don't know where you're coming from. It's so easy to flank people given the map builds in Battlefield 3. So my recommendation is Use stealth when necessary. Artsy, you want to go with your tip? Mm, yeah, oh, um, yeah, sure. Um, well, it's not uh, necessarily a tip, but more like a concept or mantra. Uh, situational awareness and angles of exposure. Um, the last word, it's actually a concept I learned from Alex uh, Factor, I believe. Um, basically, it's just like um, looking around and paying attention to things that uh, like happen around you, uh, using your minimap, uh, listening to the sounds, um, and the angles of exposure, like they move, try to imagine and figure out where you can be shot from. And when you move to the next place, and if you move in a certain way from where people can see you again and from where you are covered, and try to use that for your um and it's, I'm I'm not actually going to uh, like spoil it too much. Since I'm working on a video about these uh, these are huge topics on battlefield, uh, in my opinion. So um, I'm working on a video on those those one. Uh, so if you're interested, um, you should go ahead and check my channel in the near future. You'll certainly get one view from me and. You know, just to share a little personal anecdote, I was playing some video games with my girlfriend the other day because she's in town, like I said at the beginning, 
and she has a big problem with those angles of exposure. Pretty much anything that's on her screen, she's perfectly fine with. But as far as she's concerned, everything else doesn't exist. <laughs> so sometimes I'll just run behind her for a couple minutes just to see what happens. But you know, that's a little mean, I guess. <laughs> uh isn't uh, uh is battlefield leave does battlefield leaves you more exposed than in call of duty in battlefield do you have to worry more about uh, your angles of exposure than in call of duty according to the map layout i think yeah i, I think it's a little different you definitely have more i guess 360 angles of exposure um whereas the call of duty it's just a lot faster so those angles are constantly changing right on battlefield. You can kind of work with it. You know, they don't change quite as rapidly. And then Earth, you know, I played Daisy. On Daisy, you're basically exposed all the time, unless if you're sitting in the middle of a tree. So you really got to just pay attention. Yeah, so uh, the what you mean is like in Battlefield 3, there are fewer angles i mean the, because the game is a little slower paced you can cover those angle of exposure whereas on call of duty it's quite difficult because you're on the move all the time yeah that's correct okay well i don't i don't know if there's are like less of those exposure angles on battlefield but as you are as you said on on call of duty you are moving much faster then you don't like uh, even uh, either you don't have the time or or you don't have to pay attention to them so much since you are moving so fast and everyone else is also and um, yeah well it, it applies to battlefield 2 on close quarters close quarters map since um they are fast paced so uh, Figuring out the angles of exposure are a little bit more harder, but they're like mantras, so you have to constantly be working on them. And when you like start to get a like hands of it, then it becomes more easy. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, thank you for listening to our second episode of the Anonymous Squadcast. Remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Anonymous Squad. You can email us at anonymousquadcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 6619A-SQUAD, and we will play it on the show for you guys, if it's appropriate, of course. You can also subscribe to our feed at anonymousquadcast.blogspot.com. You can add us on Skype and leave us a voice message on there or even chat with <laughs> even chat with one of us if we are on at that time. We are also now live on iTunes, which I'm sure some of you are joining us for the first time because of iTunes. And we would like to give a special thank you to Ertzi for joining us all the way from Finland for this episode. Uh, it is currently 5 in the morning there, and we have kept him up for over two hours. So we would just like to give a very special thank you 
for Ertzby for helping us out and giving us his tips and tricks and just having a good time with us on this show. Um, thank you both so much. Um, this um, this past two hours, um, it has been awesome, and this was also my first podcast, so I'm honored to be your guest here, and um, I can't really express how uh, how uh, honored I'm feeling that uh, you got me here to your, your special guest. Um, you can also like uh, get in touch with me from YouTube, like youtube.com slash E-R-N-O-K-O-I-V-I-S-T-O-I-N-E or just search in YouTube. Follow, you can uh, hook me up in Twitter, HC86, and on Paddlelog, I'm just Ertzi. So, um, thank you guys again, like, like a big thanks to you. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm totally honored to be your guest here. And uh, back to Elzirasat. Uh, thank you, Artsy. I'm I'm really happy that you were able to join us and you were able to share and discuss all these topics with us. I'm I'm really looking forward to kind of dragging you into this podcast again uh, in the future. And uh, I also wanted to thank a lot of other people. I mean, when our first uh, episode went live, uh, I wasn't expecting the the amazing amount of input and feedback and uh, support that I have got. I mean, I created a Battlelog platoon and suddenly there are like 20 people in, the, uh, people in there within a day. And I want to thank my uh, GWG platoon member, Grad with Guns platoon members for uh, joining the platoon, spreading the word. Uh, I want to thank uh, all our Twitter community uh, for following us and uh, for uh, responding to my tweets. I want to thank uh, the Battlefield Zero Tolerance podcast. I chatted with them personally. I chatted with Disturb Papi, Franchise 254, and they have uh, another host, Pentora, down too. I want to thank all of them. They provided me some really good input on the first episode, and I'm trying to work on their tips. And guys, we all are... Out. Out. Out.